0: Welcome back to Camp Half-Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena.
1: And I'm Manisa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're talking about chapters 16 through 18 of The Sea of Monsters. Okay, hear me out. This is something I've been really thinking about today all day. I want a gut-wrenching, beautiful story of Chiron, like Chiron's point of view, right? Like I would love from that. the beginning. Okay. From the beginning, like like Song of Achilles vibe, where it's just like yearning Ooh. and sadness, but it's just Chiron trapped, being like seeing all these bright young heroes that he knows will have untimely deaths, no matter how much he tries to prepare them
0: oh, that would be good. And also because he's immortal, and so he has to deal with watching, like, living through all of it. Because definitely, like, the Chiron we get in this is kind of more like a funny character. Like, I guess he's not really supposed to be funny, but he's kind of funny because he's like, I'm like, why are you letting these children go on a quest and giving them $100 and being like, go (laughs) on. Being like,
1: that's enough. That's all
0: you need. But, like, I would love a story about him in,
1: like, a sad, angsty way exactly like you see his childhood how he's shaped and how he's like full of this optimism and then watching it crumble with each hero that no matter how much he prepares for them and by the end of it like I guess (laughs) the end of it in this storyline by the time he gets like Percy I guess or that time period or even at the end of the Greek mythology time he's just a a broken man Ooh. of course oh and then
0: percy like changes his perspective because percy lives happily ever after the end
1: <laughs> and then he's like wow heroes could live a good life he's like why weren't all of my heroes written by children's authors yeah exactly yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would love that also we are like this is our second to last episode before the end of this book
1: whoo <laughs> I feel like, I guess because Lightning Thief has to get that chunk of establishing that Percy is a demigod in kind of world building Mm -hmm. that you don't have to do in this because they just do like a word vomit of it in the first chapter. Like, I'm a demigod. And you're like, yes. And then he moves on into his quest. Yeah, yeah. And also you don't have to do that relationship building with Annabeth and Grover because it's established that they're friends. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to dive into in these two Three chapters. I was like, two to three chapters. (laughs) 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 Two chapters. Um, Basically, we have to get away from Polyphemus. And where we left off, if you remember last episode, Polyphemus is not dead. Like, they are down like they thought. And he's coming after Percy and his company. But Tyson is alive. Woo! exciting. So I go first. Chapter 16, I go down with the ship. so polyfamous has been pelting percy and co with rocks nonstop. percy's like at some point this man i mean man cyclops man. should run out of rocks but it's just it's just nonstop. <laughs> annabeth grover and clarice make a break for it if you remember annabeth is holding the fleece and they've managed to pull it from the tree and she plunges into the water it's pretty difficult for her to swim so she just kind of piggybacks off of Clarice while dragging this heavy ass fleece in the water but Polyphemus couldn't care less about them or the fleece his attention is on Tyson he calls the young Cyclops a traitor to his kind for serving mortals which is hilarious because like I don't think anyone in the room is a more like a more quote-unquote mortal yeah right,
0: right? our demigods are more they're not immortal
1: there's but they're not in between, mortals yeah there's something in between that. Yeah. So he's yeah, that still is weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Polyphemus is wounded but continues after them. And Percy realizes that Clarice, Annabeth, and Grover are almost to the ship. And if Percy can distract Polyphemus for like a little bit longer, they may actually have a chance to escape. He and Tyson make the decision to take down Polyphemus together, and they begin to fight. It's very cute. Like you can see, like Percy's like so happy that Tyson's back in his life and alive because Tyson at first is like, I'll, I'll. I'll distract him you go on he's like ready to sacrifice himself again and Percy's like nah we'll do it together and they both are like yeah together cute brotherly
0: sons of Poseidon yeah versus the other son of Poseidon yeah
1: <laughs> Percy rides a wave to Polyphemus and blasts him down uh Polyphemus accuses them of being fleece stealers, but Percy throws it back in his face he's like you also you stole it first like and you've been using it to lure satyrs and eating them and polyphemus is like i see nothing wrong with what i'm
0: doing (laughs) he's like that meme from parks and rec it's like i've never done anything wrong i know this and i love you (laughs) him to himself
1: (laughs) him to yeah it's a very unproductive conversation (laughs) So Polyphemus then asks his father, Poseidon, to step in and curse his attackers. But unfortunately for him, everyone in the room is a child of Poseidon.
0: So this is just like a family fight.
1: Yeah, essentially. And Poseidon doesn't play favorites, so he's not going to get involved, essentially. Um, Which I think it's more of a nod to the fact that in the Odyssey, Polyphemus uses Poseidon to curse Odysseus. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he's trying to do that again here, but Poseidon's like, yikes, no, this one's mine. <laughs> that's my child that's bothering you, actually.
0: Oh, yeah. Poseidon's like, well, this is awkward,
1: but <laughs> <laughs> Percy notices that Polyphemus's eye is so damaged that he's using the sound of their voice to try and track where they are and attack. Grover, Annabeth, and Clarice have made it onto the ship and are asking Percy and Tyson to quickly join so they can, like, make a break for it polyphemus makes a plea for tyson to join him empathizing that he was raised as an orphan he wasn't raised right it's not his fault it obviously doesn't work to sway tyson to joining him but it does like pull on his heartstrings a little bit so tyson's like let's talk about this if you put your weapons down but it's actually all a trick because polyphemus takes advantage of the fact that tyson is speaking locates him and starts throwing a whole ass tree at him hmm.
0: Hmm. Hmm. talia <laughs>
1: Can you imagine just yeeting her? Yeeting Talia. Percy attacks in retaliation and gets swatted with another tree. He's like pretty bloody and bruised and he is not doing too well in this fight. So at this point, Percy has been referring to his trauma response, flight, as his little guinea pig. But he continues to dismiss it for hero action instead. So basically anytime he feels this fear bubbling inside of him he, ref- he he can pinpoint it because it was the same kind of fear he felt as a guinea pig and Ooh. he refers it to his guinea pig like reaction because it reminds him I think being small and scared and vulnerable and he hasn't really allowed himself to feel that until he was in a position where he was literally a guinea pig Uh huh. so he continues to be like the guinea pig version of me or my <laughs> guinea pig inside of me and it's very interesting that Rick kind of demonstrated in that way.
0: I'm going to think of that anytime I have a trauma response and be like, okay, that's my guinea pig brain.
1: Well, does yeah, my thinking you your... brain think? Hmm. Well, you have your guinea pig brain, and then you have your dragon brain, and then you have <laughs> your Snorlax brain, right? Oh. oh. Yeah, there's <laughs> three. The the, snorlax the... brain do? It sleeps. It's, it's the freeze.
0: Oh. Oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. I got yeah.
1: you. It's a Pokemon. I don't know if you do, you know Pokemon? I don't know Pokemon that So well. you don't have any idea what a Snorlax is? He just no, threw I that don't. word at I you. Don't. No, <laughs> I don't. F- know. I
0: feel so much of Pokemon shame that I didn't. I like the way they look. They're you cute. didn't even question
1: it. I just threw a word that you've never heard in your <gasps> I have yeah, definitely
0: heard it because Mike and his sisters all watched Pokemon and so they know yeah. all the characters and I'm constantly like, ah, oh, yes, that. Snorlax. <laughs> <It's> <right. laughs> and they're like, you know what that is? And I'm like, No. <laughs> i was sheltered against pokemon
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god so i believe that there are three brains the snorlax brain the dragon brain and the guinea pig brain so if your response is to hide and scream and cry or pee yourself i guess what do guinea pigs do i don't know yeah i had a guinea pig as a
0: kid but i still don't know you did yeah when i was pretty little we had a guinea pig its Are gerbil's putts. the
1: one that can't stop like uh, breeding. It's not a guinea pig, right? It's a gerbil. No, I think
0: it's a gerbil.
1: Mm. I don't know.
0: We, had, I mean, our guinea pig was fixed presumably, or it, it had it never had any <laughs> guinea pig friends
1: <laughs> to make. Who with. goes in and fixes a guinea pig? I don't know. The vet. Is that like an expensive procedure? No, I obviously know I it's know. a vet. <laughs> like it wasn't like some guy on the street. I did it. I did it myself.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know we like You're... inherited the guinea pig from a friend who moved away so I I really don't and we I don't remember <laughs> much about him except that my dogs wanted to eat him
1: <laughs> that's fair <laughs> wow we are off topic yes. my bad
0: <laughs> yeah well there's three brains the trauma brains
1: yes the trauma yes. brain so yeah that's actually fairly
0: that. accurate because I at work we do this whole training on trauma and that's like fairly There's, like, a a part of your brain that when you're having a trauma response, it's, like, basically, like, your reptile brain that you go into. And if you can Mm -hmm. actually, like, be able to recognize that you're in that part of your brain and bring yourself to your, like, thinking brain, which is what Percy's doing here, that's actually, like, quite advanced.
1: (laughs) He's, like, surprisingly emotionally, like, mature.
0: Yeah, he's very emotionally intelligent. We love an emotionally intelligent boy.
1: Ugh. Ugh. Very rare. We love it. So rare. Mm. <laughs> you know, if there were more in, in emotionally intelligent people in this book, for example, Luke, maybe Cronus <coughs> couldn't have done what he did. So just a, th- agree. a thought to think. You know? Yeah, agreed. So anyway, the next time Polyphemus, is, Polyphemus swings his tree, Percy grabs onto it and uses it as a propeller to go into the sky and then land feet first in into Polyphemus's eye. Oh. So he just like yeets himself up and then like what is it Pencil dives down back in the air and just lands <laughs> in this cyclops already damaged eye. It was like, okay, so that's a different kind of thinking brain tactic, for sure. Yeah. I will uh, know that that's a thinking brain.
0: I think that's <laughs> just a Percy brain. <laughs> <laughs> that is that's
1: all Percy has to be honest. He's not Annabeth. No. Tyson tackles the wounded Cyclops and Percy has a chance to stab him in the heart, but they both kind of silently agree on mercy instead. Percy and Tyson run for the ship, but as they are swimming, resident idiot Clarice shouts at Polyphemus <laughs> and taunts him, which is again an ode oh. to Odysseus, who that's what he did when he was finally getting away and he could have got away completely scot-free. He like, yells, I am nobody, son, like, son of whatever, and, you know. Um, yeah. Odysseus and Polyphemus then uses the knowledge to have Poseidon curse Odysseus so that's what kind of low key happens except he can't use Poseidon to curse Percy and co so instead um, he chucks a boulder because he can pinpoint where they are based off of Clarice's voice so he throws a boulder it completely destroys the ship and the ship begins to go down incredibly fast dragging Annabeth, Clarice and Grover down with it Percy doesn't have the strength to pull them all up and he's like thinking in his brain oh I need help and Tyson responds to him in his brain like the way that Percy communicates to other sea creatures and other things in the sea I can't think of anything Mm -hmm. but
0: like dolphins sharks
1: yeah and he's like oh he'd never really talked to anyone else in his brain or he just didn't think like oh Tyson is still son of Poseidon obviously he can speak to other people underwater and they have a distinct connection of you know being brothers they should use
0: that more often
1: right it's a very good Uh, tactical skill but you uh know they both call for Rainbow the MVP of the entire book together in a squad of hippocampi save them all in the distance they hear Polyphemus celebrating that finally he gets killed the infamous nobody (laughs) and percy hopes that he never finds out the truth which i thought was really interesting
0: Mm
1: -hmm. annabeth and percy are sharing a hippocampi and percy kind of props her up because she's very injured and passing out low-key and props her up and covers her with the golden fleece and then falls he he himself falls asleep on top of it remembering he owes the gods a debt. Okay, so this is <laughs> this is a big thought, so prepare yourself. The okay. sympathy that Percy shows Polyphemus, I think, is pretty reflective the way I was wondering if stealing the fleece was, like, colonizer energy.
0: Uh-huh.
1: uh-huh. And I need to but discuss. Then, hmm.
0: That's super interesting. Then, but then Percy also accuses Polyphemus of also stealing the fleece.
1: I don't remember how the fleece gets to Polyphemus. I don't think that's in the myth. Because Jason gets the fleece. So. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the story for that. So the idea is that at some point, somehow, Polyphemus okay. ends up with the fleece. And yes, it is unfortunate uh-huh. that he's using it to lure satyrs, but isn't that kind of just like <laughs> him hunting? Like, if he is a natural predator of satyrs, like who is Percy to say that that's wrong? Like, this is, of course, me seeing a satyrs as animals rather than... <laughs> equal humans but if polyphemus eats satyrs like that's his whole essence who is percy to come and steal the fleece say well you're using the fleece incorrectly i can use it correctly because i know better than you Uh
0: uh-huh and it also does feel what makes me sad is the fact that when they take the fleece away like the island is no longer going to be this like beautiful perfect untouched piece of nature because that's all the fleece yeah. And so that's super interesting too that it's like that is sad and I think Percy recognizes that even though Polyphemus is like a jerk. Yeah. He recognizes that it kind of sucks that he's like basically destroying this whole like ecosystem. <laughs>
1: I think that's the only reason that they have so much sympathy for him but the reason that we were able to kind of skate by it is because we have that dialogue of polyphemus being unapologetic about eating satyrs
0: yes and also the fact that, like, Percy's like, well, you stole it too. So then it's like, he's kind of like, well, we both kind of suck. Yeah. <laughs> we <We've> both stolen <laughs> it.
1: <laughs> also the fact that Percy keeps letting him live and they keep trying to have conversations and, like, dialogue with him about, like, hey, if you just let us go, we won't hurt you. Yeah. Or, like, can you stop? Let's talk. And Polyphemus uses trickery to continue to try to kill them. Yeah. 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 You know. Also, like, high-key Clarice is so stupid. Like, any sympathy I had for her earlier is, like, dissipated. I'm sorry. It's all gone. (laughs) You're like, you don't yell after the Cyclops. And it's not even yelling, like, anything productive. It was yelling, like, yeah, take... That fat face like you got him, Percy. you thought you could hurt me. I'm bigger like I'm better than you and you're just like no wonder the worst insult you could come up with was wise girl. like you're yeah. an idiot.
0: yeah. yeah. <laughs> Clo Clarice.
1: Clarice <laughs> has one muscle and it's not her brain.
0: She probably doesn't go to school during the year.
1: That is true. She's an all-year. Yeah, yeah, all she does is, like, probably throw spears. (laughs) That's all she does.
0: Kyra needs to work on his well-rounded education (laughs) schooling system at camp.
1: (laughs) I would like to look at the curriculum. I have a feeling that math is, like, maybe once every three months, and it's, like, incorrect because they're all, like, low-key dyslexic and won't pay attention. (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah. And Chiron's just like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I will teach you how to throw a spear. <laughs> All right, chapter 17, we get a surprise on Miami Beach. So the chapter starts with Percy being abruptly woken up by Annabeth. They've reached land. Um, They can see a city skyline lined with palm trees, and Annabeth identifies this as Miami. I'm not sure how. That's kind of impressive. She's
1: got <laughs> great, um, like, geographical knowledge. I mean, it makes sense if she saw the skyline and she's an architect.
0: Yeah, that's true. And then maybe she just saw some like weird crap going down and was like, Florida. (laughs) (laughs) And the hippocampi can't take them any further once they get within sight because there's pollution, which is just another time that Rick is like, humans suck Mm -hmm. at ruining the environment. So the gang has to swim to shore. Once they're on land, Annabeth immediately runs to check the news and sees the date. It's June 18th, so they have been away from camp for 10 days. This makes them all even more worried about the state of camp and Talia's tree. And naturally, Clarice turns on Percy and blames him for the fact that they're far from New York City with no money or way to get back. Which I don't really know why she's blaming him. Like, it makes no sense. But she says, it's just like the Oracle said it would be. And Percy's like, what did the Oracle say? And so she gives in and tells him what the whole prophecy was. Clarice recites the prophecy to the gang and says, it is, You shall sail the iron ship with warriors of bone. You shall find what you seek and make it your own, but despair for your life entombed within stone and fail without friends to fly home alone. Which is quite sad sounding. Um, and Percy has this moment where he puts himself in Clarice's shoes and sees just how frustrated she must be. So again, Percy back at it with the emotional intelligence. Like he's like, instead of taking it personally, because Clarice is blaming Percy and Annabeth is like, you can, don't talk to him like that and like is ready to fight her. Yeah. And Percy is like, I'm going to take a se- step back and think about what it would feel like to be Clarice right now. Um, And he sees how frustrated she must be. He remembers how rude Ares was to her when they were talking via Iris' message aboard the CSS Birmingham, and he, like, peeped and saw that. Um, And Percy, like, mentally acknowledges to himself how much it must have sucked for Clarice to finally get a quest, and then have it crashed by the guys who got the quest last time, and then also to have a dad that's like, you shouldn't have gotten this quest, one of my sons should have. Like, she's trying to prove herself, and then... Not only is the quest crashed, but it's crashed by the people who got the quest last time and also will continue to get the quest in every book. Yeah. <laughs> like, I can see why she's angry. So Percy, being a great human being, asks if anyone has cash. And it turns out that Tyson does because he saved the bag of cash that they gotten from Hermes because he thought it was a feed bag for Rainbow. Oh. <laughs> which is the cutest thing in the entire world. Um, Percy then just hands all the money over to Clarice and is like, get a flight and take the fleece back. Like, that's what that line in the prophecy meant where, like, it says flies home alone. Um, yeah, without friends to fly home alone, which is just very lovely. And Percy gives the money to her and Clarice takes it and says they can count on her. She's really serious and she's like, I won't fail. And once Clarice is gone, Annabeth kind of turns on Percy and is like, You're betting the lives of everyone at camp on Clarice, and she accuses him of being too nice. But Percy says he couldn't help thinking that based on Annabeth's tone, that Annabeth was also a little bit impressed with him, <laughs> which definitely means Annabeth is like swooning right now and like trying to like, chastise him, but is kind of like,
1: oh man, <laughs> he's perfect. <laughs> which, when I read that, it honestly made me think of um, what we talked about last time with Annabeth mm-hmm. not needing to fix Percy because he's never disappointed yes. her. And I think Mm -hmm. this is, like, another thing where she has flaws. She sees the flaws in him that she'd want to change, but everything he does is so pure and just comes from such, like, a genuine place that she keeps getting surprised because everyone that she really loves in life is, like, just a complete disappointment to her, except for Percy, who continues to surprise her. I love it.
0: It's so beautiful, and it's also, like, she clearly, like, she loves to criticize him, as we see continually throughout... All of the books. Like, she loves to pick at him, but she obviously wouldn't actually ever want to change him. Which is just... lovely. Yeah. Oh, Beautiful. Lo and behold, we know that a surprise is in store, ch- thanks to the chapter title, which is literally we get a surprise on Miami Beach, so... that gave it away there. After Clarice departs from them, Percy turns around and finds Luke standing there pointing a sword at his chest, once again greeting him with, hey cuz, which I hate. I hate that. I hate, stop calling them cousins. It's weird because they all date each other. It's strange. (laughs) So Luke gets there with his bear man friends, Aureus and Agrius, or Agrius, and the bear men grab Annabeth and Grover. They don't grab Tyson because Tyson's too big and like punches them. And Percy asks Luke, he's like, what do you want? And Luke says, in true supervillain fashion, he says, why, Percy, I want to extend my hospitality, of course. Luke is super extra in this whole chapter, and I adore it. And he's dressed like a frat
1: boy president, like, you know? In Miami, he's he's like a Florida. (laughs) It's all just horrendous at this point. Yeah
0: um so they're taken by luke and his thugs back into onto the stupid cruise ship where there's tons of monsters there that are all holding them captive so they can't really there's not an easy way to get out and luke demands to know where the fleece is and that they hand it over and percy tells luke that they sent it on ahead percy's like sorry and luke is actually surprised he hadn't accounted for that and he had it he hadn't expected them to give it to clarice especially because luke Like he was just at camp last year he knows all the dynamics he knows that clarice is a jerk and that percy especially doesn't like clarice so he's like Mm -hmm. genuinely surprised with percy luke then demands that agrius get him his steed he says prepare my steed which is super extra and i love it to get to the miami airport and, like, I was thinking when I read this, I was like, I know that The Mist covers things up, but, like, his steed, like, can you imagine, is Luke gonna be riding down the highway on a frickin' horse? Like, that's so weird. <laughs>
1: Well, you know, oh, I guess you haven't seen his steed yet. I guess my it's in my chapter? Oh,
0: it is in your chapter,
1: yeah. Okay. Yeah,
0: okay. you're okay. right. I remember who his steed is. But I was yeah. envisioning just a normal horse. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been funnier. I'm not, like, waiting in Which traffic. Which is so <laughs>
1: stupid. It's just kind of like, why would you prepare a horse when you can take a car <laughs> or an airplane? You yeah, and I mean?
0: also, like, son of Poseidon can speak to horses. Like, yeah. <laughs> not a good, not a good move, Luke no so Percy notices that Luke is acting like a super extra villain I'm kind of envisioning Luke the way Luke is saying all these lines like prepare my steed and like by Percy I want to extend my hospitality he sounds like he's like a theater kid like I'm like is Luke just like (laughs) he's like this is my
1: moment to shine
0: (laughs) because he had everyone like places (laughs) like (laughs) I love this idea So, Percy notices that Luke is doing that and he decides to use Luke's tendency to villain monologue to his advantage. (laughs) He wants to make it so that everyone can hear Luke's plans and know that he's behind the poisoning of Talia's tree and not Chiron. So, Percy notices that there's a rainbow reflecting in the sunset from the cruise ship pool. And so, he digs this part's my favorite. He digs a golden drachma out of his pocket throws it just chucks it at Luke's face and Luke dodges and is like what the heck and the coin perfectly sails into the rainbow and I'm just like this is so chaotic of Percy (laughs) to just throw the coin and then Percy says you tricked all of us even Dionysus at Camp Half-Blood and like those (laughs) words are in all caps so he like very obviously like just throws this coin and Luke is like what yes I did catch you like yes I did trick you he doesn't catch on at all he's just kind of like why is this child so
1: weird it's like my favorite thing because i'm imagining him being such a bad actor too so he's like <laughs> you you tricked us all even Dionysus at Camp Half-Blood, just, like, reading off a script, and Luca's yeah. like, yes, this is my moment, this is my line, so now I start monologuing. <laughs> I know, Luca's
0: just like, all right, well, the other actors in this play are not good, but I am going <laughs> to win all the awards. Like, <laughs> It's incredible, and Percy... Luke doesn't catch on at all as Percy continues to go to Luke into admitting that, like Luke has says full sentences that he poisoned Taliesin's tree, that Chiron had nothing to do with it, and that he was responsible for endangering the whole camp. Which is so like, like Percy's like, and Chiron had nothing to do with it, and Luke's like, yes, Chiron had nothing to do with it, and it's like, what? How does he not notice?
1: No, um, but the best part is that he's kind of annoyed because he's like. Fully believes that Percy is this dumb that he's just catching on right
0: now. He just thinks Percy's just a weirdo. (laughs) It's like, okay, (laughs) calm down. Luke even then admits that he wanted the fleece to heal Kronos and he's like, I would have let you have the fleece afterwards to save camp. Like, I don't want all the demigods dead because, like, he wants them all on his side. Mm -hmm. And he says that Kronos will heal regardless, but the fleece would have sped it up. Then Luke is like, why do you keep asking me all the same questions? Because Percy's repeatedly like, so you poison Talia's tree to help Kronos. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Percy's like, for the audience, which is like, wow. Percy's uh. getting into the, the theater major vibe here, too.
1: <laughs> like- he's like, if Luke is going to embrace the villain monologue, I will embrace the hero reveal.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. He's ready. Like, you know, he's just like, for the audience. And he feels like he's just... Ah, shit. And Annabeth is, like, swooning in the corner, (laughs) like, wow, I didn't know he had it in him. And Grover's (laughs) just, like, biting his nails. Incredible performance, Percy. I love it. This is gonna be a great moment in the show. Like, fingers crossed the show does well, gets to this point, you know? This is gonna be great. so then luke turns around and above the pool thanks to the iris message is a shimmering vision of dionysus tantalus and the whole camp at the dining pavilion which makes me wonder did this how long so they were there to hear all of that did none of luke's monsters say anything yeah i mean they're
1: seeing this like a vision behind unless they're all for some reason looking at percy while luke is talking i really don't understand or they just love the drama they're just dramatic bitches
0: Maybe Luke gave them direct orders. He's like, do not interrupt my monologue. <laughs> Whatever. Do not say anything. It's my time. <laughs> and they're like, but there's a nope. <laughs> And Dionysus is sitting there and, like, lazily says, It appears I shall have to reinstate Chiron as activities director. So, like, that's his, that's his one... <laughs> He's like, I guess. <laughs> it's one thing to say. He dismisses Tantalus, right as Tantalus is about to take a bite of a burger, which is a classic. Mm. Luke then bellows in rage and slashes at the fountain. But it's too late. Like, that's not gonna do anything. Everyone has heard everything and heard him repeatedly say his plans because Percy was like, what? You're doing what now? And then Luke turns on Percy, and he says, Kronos was right. You're an unreliable weapon. You need to be replaced. And Percy's like, what? Why were you talking about? You and Kronos were talking about me? Like, he doesn't (laughs) really know what this means. (laughs) But he doesn't have time to think about it, because a dozen more warriors pour into the deck ready to fight. Um, And Luke says, you'll never leave this boat alive. And then the chapter ends. Classic. Um... I brought up most of my notes on this chapter. I was thinking about the Iris message, though, and thinking about how this was just impeccable timing, that it happened to be in front of everyone. Like, what if it was Dionysus by himself, like, in the bathtub or something? Like,
1: like, You know Dionysus would be, like, Dionysus is essentially the god of chaos at the end of the day, right? He would have loved it. He would have, like, just been lounging with some wine in a bubble bath. And And like,
0: oh, continue. Continue the show. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Also, I definitely thought remembering back on it that Tantalus was like evil. Like he was implant like planted by Kronos, but I just think he's a like obviously, but he's a dick and he just Yeah. He just gets removed very quickly. And it's just like okay, bye.
0: Yeah. Pretty much.
1: Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, he's like, just oh, like he's loves like,
0: the chaos. Yeah, he
1: was like, oh, you know, I'm gonna make, give Clarice the quest, not Percy, because I want camp to fail, because Kronos should rise. It was literally, he was like, I hate my life, I hate my job, I just want to eat something. I know I killed and cooked my son, but is this really what I deserve <laughs> as punishment?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember thinking, like, even this time I read it, I was like, is Tantalus working for... I can't remember. But no, he just is like, I hate everyone here.
1: <laughs> I hate
0: my life. <laughs> and I also... I, I brought this up mostly, but I just wanted to... I really love how Percy acknowledges how Clarius's position sucks because I feel like in a lot of, like... Books like this, the, like, chosen one, quote-unquote, like, they rarely think about the other kids, not Mm -hmm. in the sense necessarily that they're, like, selfish, but in the sense, you know, they have so many problems of their own, they're Mm -hmm. not like, what is Bob doing right now, you know, like, and this, like, Percy is just so, like, such a gold star chosen one. I forget how great he is. He's his mama did something right with that emotional intelligence,
1: which is I think why when Piper is like, "Well, I like Jason better." I'm like, "You have such bad taste. I can't respect you." Yeah,
0: I can't relate. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yep,
0: that's the blandest the
1: man alive. Okay. Anyway, I should.
0: <laughs> this is just a <laughs> You're just hate. going off on on Jason.
1: <laughs> oh my God, Heroes of Olympus. I like apologize in advance it's just gonna be me every time Jason breathes I'm gonna be like oh this this asshole again and I do Mm. and I have the knowledge from Trials of Apollo because he's in
0: Trials of Apollo and it has changed my perspective on both him and Piper but I can't Mm. stand them in Heroes of Olympus but I'm gonna you're gonna be like I hate Jason and I'm gonna be like (laughs) not gonna say anything (laughs) like
1: (laughs) Well, there's, like, a whole scene with him and Nico that I won't spoil where you're supposed oh, I know to feel, like, a little about. bit more. Yeah, like, a little, you start liking Jason more because he's such a good guy and he's understanding and he's accepting, whatever. And I'm just like, congrats on doing the bare minimum <laughs> Jason. <laughs> yeah,
0: and you're like, here's Percy who, when he was 13, was like, I feel bad for Clarice.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's, like, one thing to, like, feel sympathy for someone you like but it's another thing to feel sympathy for someone you really don't like
0: exactly Ugh.
1: Ugh, go anywhere. percy go go percy <laughs> <laughs> all right it's chapter 18 the party ponies invade Percy tries to play to Luke's ego and challenges him to a one-on-one and doesn't seem to be able to bait him at first. That's when they bring out Luke's steed, his ride. His steed. His steed, which is a beautiful black pegasus who is just like, Percy can understand what she's saying and she's just cursing Luke and everyone on board she's like i and like to, to a point where percy is kind of like a little embarrassed because he's like i'm not supposed to be hearing these w- words these are such bad words <laughs> as if he isn't like fully in a battle right yeah. now he's like oh man I gotta cover my ears my mom will be mad <laughs> <laughs> finally being pushed into a corner luke agrees to fight percy it's essentially like he can't back out because percy's like really like oh are you weak And he doesn't, you know, toxic masculinity doesn't want to look weak in front of his boys. Uh, But at the same time, he knows that Percy's just stalling for time. Luke's fine, like, okay, fine, I'll just kill you real quick and just get it over with. So he pulls out his sword, a backbiter, and Percy notices that the sword's opposite metal and energy seem to be fighting with each other. He senses that there's some tragedy that must have occurred in the making of the sword. Which, do we know the story of it?
0: I don't think oh. we do yet, but I'm pretty sure we do get it, like in the next okay. book, possibly.
1: I don't remember it, so I was just wondering: is this something that we should know in mythology, or something we're gonna find out in later? I don't. I remember think it's, it's something
0: because I think it's a it's a sword that Luke had made, so I don't think it's like supposed to be oh, like an gotcha. ancient sword or anything. Because it's supposed
1: yeah. to be two different metals, yeah.
0: Yeah, so it. I think it's so it can kill both mortals and. Yeah. Like it has the celestial bronze and then like normal. Just steel. Sword. Yeah. Normal sword. Normal sword.
1: <laughs> Luke also gets a shield because nothing is fair. Anabas literally goes, give Percy a shield too. And Luke's like, you got to bring your weapons to the fight or you don't get to get one. Which B-Y-O-W. is like,
0: so W. I know. <laughs> I we just. <laughs>
1: Which is extra funny because like he's been playing up this like super like older mature villain and when it comes to this fight he's like, No. <laughs> you don't get one <laughs> Luke has the upper advantage of being bigger, having a bigger weapon, and the fact that Percy is, like, a literal middle schooler and goes, has been going to school all year instead of training, which Luke has definitely just been training all year and all the it's time.
0: such a bad Luke for <laughs> Such a bad mm-hmm. Luke. Such a bad mm-hmm. look for Luke being a, what is he, like, 20 by now? Fighting yeah. a 13-year-old? Like, come on, dude. <laughs>
1: He looked definitely at least a foot taller because Percy and Annabeth are the same height. Like he, Percy hasn't hit his growth spurt yet. Spurt no. per, bleh, growth spurt yet. And it's just, it's sad. It is. Beating a child. Congratulations. <laughs> During their fight, Percy uses the water from the swimming pool on deck, but he doesn't manage to get a good hit with his sword. Luke manages to cut Percy on his thigh, and the pain is so intense, Percy almost blacks out. Percy's about to die. Like, he's literally crawling on the deck. He's trying to get into the pool to heal himself. But he knows he's not going to make it in time. And Luke is advancing on him. And then Luke literally goes to one of his bear men and is like, Aureus, go eat him. Just like, come on. Like, that's already very vicious to attack a 13-year-old. But then to watch, like, to have a bear eat this 13-year-old while he's wounded, it's just a little extra, Luke. Calm down. Yeah. That
0: seems off script.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Aureus is about to uh, pounce on Percy when an arrow just like goes through his mouth and kills him. It's Chiron and all of his relatives who've been partying in Miami. Unlike Chiron, these centaurs are a variety of different horse breeds wearing shirts like with the words party ponies, South Florida chapter, which is hilarious. It's like a frat. I love it. They all have, like, a bunch of party props, like baseball caps, like styrofoam hand, googly eyeglasses, etc. You know what you would wear for a battle.
0: Yeah, classic. That's what I'd wear.
1: Yeah. Luke is blinded by colors and just the sheer surprise that this is happening because they're on a freaking cruise ship. And he's like, where did the horses come from? (laughs) But he doesn't have time to react. The party ponies release paintballs on Luke's warriors, and they're all slipping and sliding because of the paint. And Chiron plucks Grover and Annabeth from the deck. Percy tries to get up, but his leg still feels like it's on fire. And Luke's reinforcements are about to be on them any second. Now that the surprise is over, they clearly have the numbers. They can easily take on the party ponies, but they just are too surprised to do it immediately. Um, Chiron sees that and has everyone retreat and another centaur grabs Percy and another one gets Tyson. Before Luke's men can charge, the centaurs literally leap off the railing of the cruise ship and hit the ground, casually like they haven't just flown ten stories down. The- is like a group of horses a herd? I think so. It just feels wrong. Like a herd of cows, a herd of horses.
0: I would say that, but Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm not a horse girl. (laughs) I don't know the proper What's the School of
1: Dolphins called? Is it the School of Dolphins? It's the School of Dolphins, yeah, yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Can confirm. (laughs) Resident Dolphin Girl.
1: (laughs) You really backed yourself up into a corner with that one, didn't you? I
0: really did.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The herd gallops at warp speed back to centaur camp, and Chiron sits all the children down. Percy's dazed that he, like Chiron, even came to save them. And he's like, I can't believe you came for us. And Chiron's like, one, I love you. (laughs) So I would. (laughs) But two, also, you cleared my name and, you know, you did all these good things. Of course I'd come.
0: How did he know so That's the thing.
1: So Chiron had been waiting. Like, the reason he had come down to Miami is, like, he kind of assumed that this quest was going to happen. And he assumed that they would get, if they survived, they would get washed up in Miami because all weird things swash up in Miami. In Florida, yeah, True. and also he had essentially hacked the Iris uh, message that Percy sent to Dionysus, huh? In in the sense that he's friends with Iris, and so was like, "Hey, uh, where's mm-hmm. this call coming from?" So like magic version <laughs> of hacking—it's networking, actually. Nice. Yeah networking,
0: linkedin
1: connections. Chiron <laughs> explains the battle essentially was a draw. They didn't have the numbers to truly defeat Luke and destroy Kronos, but Luke wasn't organized enough to pursue them. But they did get the fleece, so you know camp, you know, is going to be saved. Chiron says that he will join them and return to camp with them after Percy's healed cuz he's really curious to see what'll happen with the fleece, which makes Percy nervous. He's like, a lot of people have been mentioning the fleece and what it might do, like Someone has an idea of what might happen, but no one is speaking to it. Mm-hmm. Chiron asks Annabeth and Grover to go supervise a paintball fight that has started to break between Tyson and a few of the other centaurs, and it's very interesting because Annabeth like looks at Chiron and they both have like an understanding, and Annabeth's yeah let's go, and Grover's like I don't want to, and Annabeth drags him <laughs> over because clearly Chiron wants a one on one with Percy. Chiron says that he and Annabeth have talked and she mentioned that she had mentioned the pers- the prophecy to Percy. Percy is immediately quick to defend Annabeth. He's like, I forced it out forced it out of her, which irritates Chiron, which I thought was interesting. Cause I remember thinking when I first read it that Chiron was irritated because he was still mad at Annabeth for telling Percy parts of the prophecy. Mm-hmm. But now reading it, knowing what I know, I kind of think it's more the fact that Percy, without like it was like, Chiron doesn't even finish his sentence, and Percy's like, "It's not her fault, I made her do it," which okay. is, I I'm wondering, does Chiron know Percy's fatal flaw?
0: Oh, I bet he. I mean, you'd think he'd be good at that since he's worked seen so many heroes die by their fatal mm-hmm. flaw he can probably suss it out immediately and it irritates
1: him because he sees it kind of blossoming in person and is worried mm-hmm. that that's going to be the thing that breaks him down
0: Ooh, i so want a tragic Chiron story of him like watching all these heroes because then it would explain i mean i feel like it's not super in character for this version of Chiron again who gives children hundred dollars <laughs> to go across the country but like it would explain like a lot of you know like His reluctance to get emotionally close
1: to all the Mm -hmm. heroes and stuff. I really feel that. That, This was actually the exact sentence after this part. I was like, I want this story. Yes. Chiron admits that he can't be sure that Percy is actually the child of the prophecy since he's not yet 16. And that's when it clicks for Percy. The string. Do you remember in the first book, Percy sees the fates, like in Mm -hmm. the fifth chapter, cut a piece of yarn. By the side Mm -hmm. of the highway, and at the time, Percy was like, "I just saw someone die." But then he realizes the fates were not like showing him an immediate death, but something that would inevitably happen, and it would be happened because of the Mm -hmm. prophecy. And it's so interesting because Chiron Mm -hmm. is really nervous because of the of this realization. Like Percy has it by himself; it's not something that Chiron's really thought about or allowed himself to think about. So he's a little bit floored. And he continues to be in denial. He's like, you might not be the child of the prophecy. So maybe you should mm-hmm. even think about it, even though literally everything else fits. Like, Percy is one of the big three. And Percy even, like, reminds a lot of, like, reminds Chiron about all of the facts. He's like, yeah, except for Cronus is rising right now. I am the only child of the big three. Something has to happen, and I'm the only option right now. And Chiron's like, she could be somebody else. Yep
0: yep chiron's like we don't know another kid could just pop up which he's not mm, wrong we'll see that soon.
1: <laughs> chiron reminds percy that he's not alone in the fight and that the entire west will have his back but percy remembers that annabeth said it will most likely come down to one hero and th- that hero's one particular decision Percy's miserable. He's just one kid against literally a titan lord. But Chiron reminds him of many heroes who single... He's like a very specific hero who apparently like changed the course of the Civil War. I didn't pay attention to it. But I was like, okay. (laughs) And then Chiron has this really good monologue that I'm going to read in a second. Because I thought it was a... It's a great inspirational one.
0: Mm, You go, Chiron. And it's like
1: very true to the whole idea of what a hero is he has a conversation where he pulls out an arrow and he shows it to percy and he says this is celestial bronze what happens if you shoot this as a human and percy's like nothing that doesn't affect mortals and he says that's right he said humans don't exist on the same level as the immortals they can't even be hurt by our weapons but you percy you are part god part human you live in both worlds you can be harmed by both and you can affect both that's what makes heroes so special. You carry the hopes of humanity into the realm of the eternal. Monsters never die. They are reborn from the chaos and barbarianism that is always bubbling underneath civilization, the very stuff that makes Kronos stronger. They must be defeated again and again, kept at bay. Heroes embody that struggle. You fight the ba- battles humanity must win every generation in order to stay human. Do you understand? And Percy says no. <laughs> that was so funny. He was just like, um, no, I'm no. thirteen, <laughs> Chiron. You can't break down humanity's essence to me. A thirteen-year-old who is failing English—like you can't do that.
0: Oh, Percy. <laughs>
1: Almost just as important as the prophecy Chiron explains is the fact that Kronos believes that Percy is the child of the prophecy and just now he fully knows that he can't turn Percy like he saw that demonstrated in the fact that Percy just seems unbelievably loyal to the gods and to his friends. Nothing's going to change mm-hmm. him so he's like well you are no longer of use to me Kronos has been has essentially given everyone permission to kill Percy. Percy remarks that Chiron talks about Cronos like he personally knows him. And Chiron's like, yeah, bro, I do. I'm like, yeah, A, I'm hella old, but also Cronos is my dad, and that's how the chapter ends. <laughs> and
0: Percy's like, oh, crap. So yeah, dead. no, essentially he's like
1: trying to remember mythology. He's like, oh, God, I can't remember it anymore. There's just so many stories in my brain. Clearly Chiron must not have taught much about yeah. himself. Yeah. <laughs> When Chiron is trying to explain to Percy, like, why do you think the gods sent me away?
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, and like, or trust, like, suspected I poisoned Talia's tree first, and it's because he's Chiron's kid. And oh. I'm like, but so are you. Like, so is everybody. All the gods are K- Kronos's kid.
0: Yeah. So Wait. Like, yeah. Like the, Like at least the three brothers are Kronos's kid. Like Zeus, Poseidon, and all Parades. no, all
1: six of them are.
0: Who else is Kronos's kid?
1: So it's Demeter. Its first was Hades, yeah. It was Hades, and then it was Demeter, Hira, Hera, Hera. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, who else? What? It's it's three three female, three males. So it's the okay. big three. And it's then not it's Athena. Hera, Demeter, and um, oh, who else is it? Is it's it Aphrodite? No, Aphrodite is born in the surf, oh, in the yeah. water. Yeah, because they castrate someone and throw his nice penis into the water yeah something like nice. that who's maybe is it only two then
0: maybe because it's not because athena came from zeus's head yes and apollo That's is zeus's Greek. kid oh, <laughs>
1: family tree family tree <laughs> <laughs> uh i might be maybe it's just five i thought there was six. Oh, hestia oh poor thing oh
0: <laughs> of course we forgot her oh no <laughs> Difficult. Yikes! that's a bad look for us it's a bad it look.
1: is it is but all like six of them are chronos who's kids mm-hmm. so all six of them are technically under suspicion but they're like chiron who has trained all the heroes while the gods have literally done nothing but create heroes And they suspect him. And though that it would be a good story. Imagine you're just so frustrated that the heroes that you love and train keep dying because the gods keep making mistakes and creating enemies.
0: Oh my gosh. Add that to our Chiron story. It's like a dark Chiron story. Like it's really tragic. And he goes, ooh, someone needs to write this.
1: It's like a villain origin. It's a surprise villain origin. Because you think it's just going to be about how Chiron is super noble and the end he monologues
0: he does an evil villain monologue yes and that's how
1: you know that's
0: how you know he's
1: evil (laughs) i didn't realize how much i say like villain origin story but at one point (laughs) didi i was watching uh something and my roommate goes hey this is where you'd say villain origin story or this is her her villain origin story i'm like i found it in anything that i watch i'm like oh villain origin story (laughs)
0: So, what's your villain origin story? You gotta. You it gotta hasn't happened
1: yet. Okay. I know. Okay. We'll see. It'll be somehow. For example, like with our friendship, we have to. That has to be between relationships, you know? Mm,
0: yeah, like it depends on who you're the villain for, you know? yeah
1: Yeah, because I don't subscribe to the whole like I was bullied by everyone so I turned into a villain I'm like that's been done that's boring that's a white man's problem this is more of like between a relationship how do you go from being someone important in their life to becoming the villain
0: like that um Taylor Swift song the archer (laughs) I don't remember it's like all my enemies (laughs) were my friends all my yes. enemies started out as my friends. Ooh.
1: Yes. Ooh. It's like, ooh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Taylor. <laughs> Taylor. Um, the fact that Kronos has decided who the child of the prophecy is gives me major Harry Potter vibes.
0: A hundred percent. Yeah. But even, it's weird because here Chiron's like, Kronos has decided. But like. They never really fully are, like, it's Percy until, like, the last book. <laughs> They're finally, yeah. like,
1: okay, well, fine. <laughs> they kind of decide, it's fully decided after the next book.
0: Yeah, by yeah. the fourth one, I think, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the next one is, it, like, a maybe, maybe not story, and then it yeah. ends with, yes, yeah. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I love, this is what you talked about in your chapter, but I love this theme that these five books do and it comes back again and again. And it's the reason that Kronos and essentially Luke keep losing is that they can't imagine someone behaving selflessly or taking the time to befriend the underdog and nurture that relationship that Percy does. Mm -hmm. And so that's why they continue to lose. Like, they continue to lose because Percy continues to put... Like, for example, they would have easily gotten the fleece if Percy had acted the way that they had imagined him, where he would have been in his position. Luke would have taken the glory. Luke would have been like, no, I have to bring the the fleece home. Mm -hmm. They can't Mm -hmm. imagine someone like Percy being like, yeah, Clarice, go take it. Mm -hmm. And it's like his empathy and his selflessness and his foresight in that way is the thing that ends up spoiler alert winning the whole fight like yeah it's the only reason and i just say like, i love that theme
0: i do too and it's also like it's supposed to be percy's fatal flaw but it's yeah. really like also his strength
1: which is yeah beautiful beautiful i love it um and that's all my thoughts All right. Well, I have some Mm. lightning
0: bolt round questions ready for you. My first question. First of all, I would like to know how. Can I adopt a hippocampus? Um, (laughs) And They're so cute and they just appear and they can, like, talk to you. I mean, I guess I wouldn't be a child of Poseidon, so they couldn't talk to me and that's kind of rude. But what would you name one?
1: (laughs) Do you remember those, like, Oh God, this is like a very specific memory, oh, core no. memory. I don't know if you, if she will share it with me. It was like Lisa, whatever. Lisa so Frank like art. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, that was like a really golem. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> My precious. <laughs> yeah. So anytime I imagine a like a hippocamp, a campy or a hippocampus, I think of like L- Lisa Frank art. I love Cause that. Because that's the art that I imagined. So I would name it Lisa Frank. <laughs> <laughs> that's beautiful. I love that. Thank you so much. I love I that. Like, while I was reading these chapters, I googled hippocampus. Yeah, I actually have it. Because you can't Google hippocampus. It'll show you parts of the, like, the brain oh. know, where feelings are stored. Force, and so I was just like, okay does this? And all the artwork is just very much screams Lisa Frank. I don't know. Oh, that
0: does. I just looked it up. It does. Yeah. yeah. So am I. Dang. That's kind of disappointing because I imagine them as having dolphin faces and now they're not as cute. I might not want to adopt one anymore.
1: It's, like, a horse front and then just has, like, a mermaid tail.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we've probably been over this, but in my brain it was just (laughs) a dolphin with, like, horse legs. Which is also kind of disturbing. I'm not sure why I thought that was cute. But I would like to adopt one. That is more
1: disturbing, actually. Yeah, it is. I'm going to make that for you. I'm going to show you
0: what that looks like. I'm so excited. I really look forward to it. (laughs) Um, But I still would like to adopt one. Where can I process that paperwork? Um, I would name mine mystery after the... (laughs) Seahorse and Spongebob.
1: Can you imagine? It's like, this is mystery. This is rainbow. This is Lisa Frank.
0: <laughs> Beautiful. That's oh, the gang. Right there. That's the gang.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and my next question, I think that we get to the the answer of to this. I don't know if it's in this series or Heroes of Olympus, but we definitely do. But so the party ponies mm-hmm. all look different depending on what chapter they're from. So like the Florida one is looks like there in florida and so i want to know what do you think the ones from from (laughs) seattle would look like and then maybe like la and new york like some random cities what would i think we find out later but like what do you imagine
1: they would look like what i'd want the seattle ones to look like versus what they might look like so like when you go into a store here and they like a touristy store and they're trying to sell you what seattle is it's like coffee weed and Brain, and I was like, I subscribe to two out of those. Like, I don't believe, like, yeah, white people can like cheer for weed, continue to cheer for weed, they have been for years not feeling it. Uh Anyway, I just feel like either Seattle is going to be like a tech bro, or it's going to be actual Seattle in my brain, which is more of like, I don't know. Well, they will, I think they'll be good at tech, I think they'll have a computer. From Seattle. Yes, okay. Um, I think they will be... A horse with a, a horse the computer. Of the computer. I think they're going to be more, like, I don't know enough about horses to answer this question, but the breed of horse would be more of a horse. Like, for example, a lot of the horses in the Florida chapter were Arabian stallions, which are the black ones, like, really mm. big ones. Mm-hmm. I think the Seattle horses would be, like, small. Like, maybe a little bit, like, That's, farm ponies. I see punnies. that oh yeah LA they would be like the really glossy like very picturesque which is I guess more of the Arabian kind but like more of like what you imagine like a a pony in the movie would look like in New York it would be like I don't know I don't know enough about horses to have a real answer right I don't know
0: much about horse breeds and I feel like I don't know like everything I could say about other cities would be a stereotype but the, the Seattle one I'm like it would have a fedora <laughs> it would also have like half pink dyed hair it would think it was really woke but it would actually be kind of problematic and <laughs> and it would never it would always be soaking wet and be like i don't use an umbrella <laughs> <laughs>
1: this makes me special
0: see i'm like i can make fun of seattle because i i live there
1: <laughs> whereas i um, and don't then also,
0: <laughs> and also what would you look like as a party pony um What's i
1: would be i'd be a smaller pony <laughs> than the most me for too. sure me too me too um Let's see, what would I be doing? I'd have a lab coat on just because I feel like that. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> a horse in a lab coat. Oh. And I'd, I'd still have a little bit of chaotic vibes though. I don't know what it would mm-hmm. be. I think I would carry a Nerf gun, but <laughs> that's it. Like those are my chaotic vibes. I
0: like that. Yeah. I like that. I don't know. I feel like I'd have to have my glasses on. <laughs> <a> horse with- <laughs> I'd be a really small horse with glasses. <laughs> Oh man. I don't know. I'd probably like have a book. I'd have a little oh, I'd have a mobile library. That'd be cute. And then I feel like I'd also want something fun like Like you'd
1: be pushing around you know. a cart of books? Or you're yeah. you you have a saddle. That's just like a mobile library.
0: Oh, that probably would be more more efficient. <laughs> then I can fl- I can move faster. You're a horse cart and no then I books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know I'd want to have some kind of like fun weapon you know like a nerf gun or like but something more like silly screen string shooter that would be kind of fun oh, yeah you know like I want to add a little fun to it yeah great party ponies mm-hmm. 10 out of 10 um and my last question what would you do because in this chapter the one you just read mm-hmm. like Percy it finally gets that confirmation that he might be the the chosen one in the prophecy um what would you do if you found out that you were potentially a chosen one in a prophecy I have
1: a, if I, okay, honestly, I think I would for like 20 minutes have a panic attack and then I'd just be like, okay, like I have to, like now I have a role, I have to do it. I get very productive when I'm freaking out. And if I'm like, if mm-hmm. I, once I digest it, mm-hmm. which doesn't, won't take me too long, I think I would just immediately dive into it. I'll like embrace it and i just be like, all right, this is what's going to happen. I've got to do my best. And I think also the idea of a prophecy is a bit freeing because it's just essentially like you just have to do the best that you can do if you are the child of a prophecy Mm -hmm. like it's already written for you so if you do the best of your abilities and what you think is right it'll probably work out Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was a very chosen one answer (laughs) i want you to know that (laughs) both myself and i also asked mike this question both of us were like Oh, we'd be stoked. I want to be the chosen one in a prophecy. And then I was like, this is why neither of us would be the chosen one. <laughs> I was like, because we think it'd be fun. <laughs> like, we're
1: like. Okay, listen, though. Years <laughs> be ago, your, we'd be your two sidekick friends. <laughs> that would be, I mean, it, it would work out, too. Because, like, you know, yeah. the sidekicks sometimes usually get together. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We'd be like the side little
0: little romance story, <laughs> and then you could be like, "I'm gonna sacrifice myself." The and only we'd be POC. Like, "Okay, bye.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We'd be like, "Have fun." Yeah. <laughs> oh, rip to me. I mean, so okay, if you would asked me, like, honestly, even three or four years ago, if I would want to be mm-hmm. the chosen one. I would have said yes so excitedly. I'd be Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, all I read are, like, adventure books. I've always wished I was in an adventure. I wish that it was, like, life was like that. But after living through several, you know, historical events, I have realized that I don't mind if life is a little mundane and just, like, fun. Like, it's just pleasant. I don't mind just a pleasant, peaceful life, which is why I would be the chosen one because I would be kind of... You would. That's... (laughs) (laughs) Oh. <laughs> i would continue to be searching for that life on the farm you know like with the kids and the family but i would have to continue to sacrifice myself and live this hero life and be resentful of it oh
0: yep that would be what would happen mm-hmm. i was like i feel like my problem i'm like the reason i wouldn't be a chosen i was thinking about this i was like it all has to do with my fatal flaw and i'm really upset that i didn't know this so i watched i've been watching she i just finished it And there was an episode towards the end where they were talking about their flaws, Mm -hmm. like, each character's flaw. And one of them, I literally, like, screamed at it because I was like, that's me! How is it me? And I was like, why didn't I watch this before we recorded our Fatal Flaw 1? And it was, like, described as one of the characters. It's, like, a, like a huge case of hubris combined with crippling self-doubt. I was like, how is that me? I was like, I'm both somehow. And I was like, this is why, because I'd be like, I'm going to be the chosen one. Go, Erin, you're the best. And then I'd be walking along on my quest by myself like, oh my God, you are the worst. You are going to fail. (laughs) You cannot do this. And then someone would be like, how's it going? I'd be like, great. I am doing great. (laughs) I'm
1: number one. I've never heard something more well described about who you are as a person than that. Right? Yeah. I was like, oh, ouch.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was great. I was like, I feel seen.
1: <laughs> oh man.
0: Anyways, those are my those are my questions. I like. I love the chosen one question though. That's there. It's fun. I always. am like, how would I behave? And then I, however, I would behave is probably whatever I think I would do is probably not accurate to whatever
1: I'd actually do. <laughs> but you know. Oh, man, I have to ask a couple people this question. I'm very curious about their answer. I feel like it's very telling of who they are as a person. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. But I feel like it's also, like, if you say you want to be a chosen one, then you're not – it's, like, a – it's a paradox question. Because mm-hmm. if you say you want to be one, it's, like, obvi- you're probably not going to be one. <laughs> <laughs> and then if you're, like, I don't want to, please, no. Yeah. Anyway, that makes me think of that quote I saw. It was, like, may you never have to live in interesting times. Mm, Yeah, I was like, I feel that. The past, like, year, I'm like, you know what? I get it. I get it now.
1: I'm good. I'm good. Keep it. Just keep all your interesting times. I don't want it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll just make my own personal times interesting. I don't need to make the world, like, the world can just stay mundane, please. Exactly.
1: Like, a a neutral playground for my life to go up and down rather than my life going up and down along with the playground going up and down. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. Well, we are about to get into the (laughs) last two chapters of the Sea of Monsters. I'm
0: excited. I'm excited too. I'm excited to start book three too because that's the one I feel like I least remember. Oh yeah, that's a good one. And it's fun. We get so many new characters. And
1: it's like set in a different time, like of the year. It'll be fun. I'm excited. Yeah.
0: So. Yeah. I'm just ready to go off about Bianca. Anyway.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll a have lot a lot of opinions. discussions about her. I feel like we have interesting, like, maybe a little bit differing opinions and similar opinions. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh yes. Love a hot take. Yes. All right. So, follow us on all social media at Camp Half Pod. Um, you guys have been doing a great job DMing. Erin's in charge of everything. So, you know, she's been doing a great <laughs> job asking questions and responding to inquiries etc cetera, etc cetera. but if that doesn't work out you should email us too
0: yes and monica can respond <laughs> to those
1: so you know if you're like i don't want to talk to erin i want to talk to monica <laughs> mines will be in email format work format warmest regards hmm. monica so if you want it, if yeah. you want any of that just email us at camp at gmail dot com
0: yes and don't forget to please rate and review us on i don't even i don't think you can rate and review on spotify on apple (laughs) Podcasts, i think that's the only one you can if you enjoy this if you don't then i don't know why you're listening to episode 15 but you know (laughs) all right see you next time